0: The following message is presented by First Baptist Church in Manny, Louisiana. For more information, go to the website www.fbcmany.org. Now the message. It's going to be the book of Romans, chapter 3. We've been in Romans for the last few weeks. And on Wednesday night, if you're coming on Wednesday night, we're studying the book of Acts. Acts is very much an action book. There's so many things happening that are exciting. We see the movement of God, the very practical, uh, daily things that are happening in the in the New Testament in the church. And it's encouraging. It's, it's exciting. It affirms our faith. So that is the gravy, or maybe that's the jelly, the book of Acts, to the biscuit we're going to have right here in the book of Romans. The book of Romans is the base, the foundation. If you were to take from the beginning of Genesis to the end of Revelation and put all that together, you find in Romans the explanation of the story of the plan of God. Then out of that book, you narrow it down into chapter 3, then you're going to get the, the actual center of the purpose of of what God's plan is and why Jesus came to the earth and why he was uh, gave his life for us on the cross. We see all that come true in Romans 3. Now, if you're in uh, the business I'm in, well, you get pretty excited and, uh, and worked up over this particular book. Now, if you're in the, maybe uh, you're involved in other things in life and maybe you've spent a lot of time in Psalms lately and the Lord's really blessed you through Psalms and when you quote something, or you talk to someone, or you write them a note, or you uh, uh, maybe buy a hanging to put on the wall, it's going to be a Psalms. Now, for me, it's going to be something like this, on the wall, for all have sinned. That's not very encouraging, is it? That, that's a, uh, that's a, maybe the downside of, of what we see in this world. The world's a troubling place. There's lots of trouble everywhere. We have problems. Y'all believe we have problems? we've got problems. We've had them from the beginning of time. They manifest themselves in a very spiritual way, but also in very practical ways because it just doesn't seem to work when you wake up at 5.30 slash 6.30 in the morning, or was it 6.30 slash 7.30? The day looks good at 6.30. It's going to be okay. Everything's going to work out right. Everything's going to be perfect. Whatever you plan is going to come true. Everyone's going to agree with everything you say. And no one's going to come to you with any complaints about anything. And that leaves about 531. Things change. We have a world full of trouble. Wednesday night, when I left church, um, I left. uh, it's always a fun time for me. If you don't come on Wednesday night, you're missing out on fellowship. You're missing out on time of really a casual time of Bible study and prayer for people and a fellowship that's very uh, sustaining for your life. Well, we left that. I was in a great mood. Um, we had a long conversation after church and, and um, got in the truck and drove on the way home and down Highway 6, I was wasn't more than maybe six, seven miles out of town, and I got reminded that I'm a loser because I don't have my Christmas lights up yet. November 1st, I believe it was, Christmas lights were up everywhere. Some of them were not up with care. Some of them were loosely strewn on a tree in the front yard to somehow look like a Christmas tree, and others were perfectly lined on the edge of the house the way you want them to look, and somebody must have done that for them. And we've been talking about Christmas lights for a while, and when I moved to this new house uh, last spring, I put my lights all in one place in the attic where I could find it, organized it the way you're supposed to organize things where you can go and find them. And then uh, Wednesday night when I was driving, I thought, I have no idea where my lights are. They're somewhere up there covered up with everything else. When I pull them out and look at them, no matter how I rolled them up, somebody got into them in the last 10 months and unrolled them and wadded them up and put them back in there and removed one bulb. That's how it, ha- it turns out every year. I thought I was going to go ahead and hire, make the big step, and hire someone to put my Christmas lights up outside this year. Now, I don't know if you do that or not. Anybody in here do that? Good, I can tell you the story now. <laughs> I called this, this uh, sign that was on a, a yard sign someone had. It says, We will do your lights for you. And I thought, man, that's going to be a nice little cheap service. You give them your lights. It won't cost it costs more than i want to pay but it won't cost too much i called and asked and they said our payments or our, uh, our charges start at six hundred and seventy five dollars and we will put your lights up for you and i said really what if the house is a little bit bigger than normal or a little bit longer and She said well then it goes by the square foot and by the time it was over in my discussion the to put the lights up and just around the edges and nothing elaborate was going to be something about the level of a brand new first time home buyers house payment plus the deposit it was expensive got a problem so I've got to put these things together sometime there needs to be a solution I need some help I need somebody to come in and get with me in that attic and hand them down and say to me no throw these away don't use these No use in me plugging them in, because I'm going to want to plug them in and see if they work. See, that's not even a problem, is it? That's not a problem at all. That's just a problem that maybe I've manufactured in my own life, and you may have those kind of problems within your life where you see things that you just don't, don't see a solution to. Don't know how you're going to fix it. So I tried to get a little bigger, better perspective after this meltdown over uh, Christmas lights this week and uh, started looking up what the biggest problems in the world are. There's a a report called the Borgen Report, and it says that in the world, over 70% of the population have less than $10,000 in total assets and earnings in their life. 70% of the world lives in poverty. That's, how much that? Seven out of ten. Seven out of ten people that you see that, that are walking down the street, that are around this world, just imagine those people don't have the food they need to sustain their life from day to day. Now, out of those 70%, one out of nine in the world don't even have water to drink that's clean. We don't see that because we live in a very blessed society. We may have problems here. We don't have that problem. We have water. I bet you couldn't find anyone in, in, within the reach of this church that has trouble finding fresh water. They may not have it turned on at their house, but they know where they can go get it. There's 130 million women in the world with no access to any kind of education at all. Cannot, would not be able to get any kind of education. We have problems around the world. That's three that make the top ten of anybody's top ten list. But then there's one that, uh, and I looked at Lifeway Research to see what they said about the percentages of believers around the world. So of all the folks around the world, 2.38 billion people are Christians. Now that's just saying some kind of Christian. That's some kind of Christian that may not believe in the Bible, they may not believe that... Uh, jesus is the only way but most of them are people who believe that jesus is lord but if that's only one third of the population of the world so close to eight billion people in the world how many would that be five and a half billion people will die and spend eternity in hell that's a problem is that a problem That's problem. One third have heard, two thirds have not. So we get to the book of Romans, and Paul is saying with great earnestness, he's trying to place the people that are his audience, those that are reading this letter, those are going to hear these words. He's trying to put them in a position so they understand where they are in relationship to God. It doesn't matter if they are religious. It doesn't matter if they are. Jews, or if they're good Gentiles, or if they are pagans that are totally uh, debaucherous in their lifestyle, if they're rebellious, they're all in the same boat, all in the same situation. And he's, he spends this book, this book of Romans, saying to everyone, You have to know you're lost without Jesus. Now, people are spending all kinds of ways trying to find their uh, salvation around the world. They're making idols with wood that they find. They're carving them. They're putting them up in their, in their shelters, their homes, and they're worshiping those idols. Or maybe they're saying incantations. They're saying things, that, these phrases, or singing these songs that will somehow evoke a spiritualness that will give them a salvation. Maybe they're trying to follow the law. They're trying to do what God said, that the book's been written, The laws have been, the Ten Commandments have been handed down, and they're trying to live according to that. And none of it's worked. None of it's worked. And he's saying to them, the solution is clear. The solution is clear. We have um, Galatians, the book of Galatians and the book of Romans are Paul's theological books. He says things to us in those books that help us to understand the foundation of what we believe. I uh, want to read to you from Galatians three, twenty-three through 25. This is in the NIV. Before the coming of this faith, we were held in custody under the law, locked up until the faith that was to, was to come would be revealed. So he's saying there is somewhat of a blessing of having the law because it has held us in stasis waiting for God's plan, waiting for the coming of Jesus. So the the law was our guardian until Christ came that we might be justified by faith. And we just sang three songs in a row about faith. One about the faithfulness of God, two about having faith in Him. And that is the the very essence of this passage that's being preached today. And this text in, in Galatians is that faith gives eternal victory. We be justified by faith. And the rest of this passage says, now that this faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. We've been set free. I've had a dog before that you could not keep in the pen. And if you're at a dog like that, you could build a fence around the, around the yard, that dog's going to find a way to dig out. You put that dog in the house, as soon as the door cracks, it knows it, it's out the door. It's out. The door. You could, put, you could maybe keep that dog on a leash and take it for a walk and for a little while, but when you put it back in the backyard, it's gone again. And you have to build something to keep it in place. So I've seen folks, and I have tried this myself, put their dogs on leashes along long cables. And that dog's, and it worked for a while, by the way. That dog was, uh, was in restraint on that leash, on that long cable, where it could run up and down a dog pen. But I want to tell you, when that dog was set loose, that dog was set free. We had one that we tried that with. It was a basset hound, and uh, this basset hound we bought it in Oklahoma and brought it back to uh, to Arkansas. And it was, we, you know, we worked hard to keep this dog and, uh, and train it. And it was a beautiful little uh, dog, but it did find scents in the yard that it wanted to smell. And one day, that dog got free out of the house, and it smelled a rabbit or a deer or something. But I could hear that dog howling for miles and miles as it ran full speed back toward Oklahoma. Never saw it again. Been set free. Jesus sets us free. Faith in Him sets us free. We're not under the restraint of the law of the Old Testament, of the of the hebrew law we're not under the restraint of some system that we've built we're not dependent on our works on trying to be good enough because we will not be good enough we won't get there we're set free running full speed to him in the relationship with the father let's go to romans 3 i'm gonna start with verse 9 and paul sums it up in this verse he says what this is This is a summary of what you have read in chapters 1 and 2. What shall we conclude then? Do we have any advantage? Not at all. For we have already made the charge that Jews and Gentiles alike are under the power of sin. As it is written, there's no one righteous. Not even one. There's no one who understands. There's no one who seeks God. All have turned away they have together become worthless. There is no one who does good, not even one. Everyone has the problem. Jesus is the only solution. If you move down just a little bit in the passage of verse 21, we start becoming looking at some more familiar verses that we have memorized. Maybe one of these verses will jump out, and you've seen it in a, a VBS uh, in VBS material, or maybe in Sunday school, or witnessing and visitation, you'll see, you'll, you'll know that verse. But I want you to see it in context. <clears throat> verse 21. This, by the way, this problem is going to get revealed in verse 21 through 23. But now, apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known, to which the law and the prophets testify. The righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. Now, if you have a pen, you have a Bible, if you're one of those folks that have, a, have the Bible that you can underline something, you can grab your pen out or maybe a little highlighter and highlight that. I want you to take that, uh, that highlighter and draw through or, or strike under that verse right there and give it an extra emphasis to, the, to that one word in verse 22, all who believe. All. I've spent a lot of time theologically uh, breaking that down and uh, looking at the Greek words there, but I want to tell you, it's um, it's already what 11.45, old time, when it's right before lunch, so I know our brains can't, can't endure what our stomachs won't let us. So uh, I want to tell you what all means. That means everybody. Everybody. Everybody who believes in Jesus has eternal life. They may not look like you. They may not act like you. They may not have grown up the way you grew up. They they may have sinned way more than you ever sinned. They may have sinned less than you have sinned. They may be uh, grouchy and angry every day. They may be as lovely as possible. But I want to tell you that everyone who believes in Jesus will be saved. There's hope for everyone. Hope for all who believe. Then he says, but let's get down to verse, the second half of verse 22. There's no difference between the Jew and the Gentile. They're all in the same boat. For all have sinned. Here's the verse we memorized. For all have sinned, and they all fall short of the glory of God. No one measures up without Jesus. So here's how it works. Step by step, we're going to look at what it means to walk or to, to move away from this lostness into salvation, into joy, into uh, faith in Him. You know, these Christmas tree lights that, I, uh, that I've i been fretting over, if you look on the Internet, there's no end to videos telling you how to do things. If you don't like being told what to do, do not look on YouTube. You have people that have never done anything in life that are experts on it. And they got a good video about it. And they'll tell you what to do. This is what I found out. I I looked up a professional Christmas light hanger because I was not going to spend money on having somebody come hang my lights. So I looked at this professional Christmas tree hanger, and he's giving you step-by-step what to do. And he has a glue gun the size of a cordless drill. Big old glue gun. And he puts a, a dot of glue on the back of every bulb, and while it's still hot, he stretches it out and sticks it to the house, and he goes to the next one and sticks it to the house, to the next one, he outlines every window, and when um, when he's done, lights are perfect, and they're not saggy, and they they look right. I thought, man, this guy has got it figured out, but I know as soon as I break out the glue gun, I'm going to be peeling paint off the walls, trying to pull them down. This guy gave me a step-by-step how to do it right. So I'm going to, I am going to try it on the back side of the house. Verse 24. Here's the step-by-step for salvation. All are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. So we, the, the step-by-step is we didn't earn it. He offered it freely. We accepted it. His grace completely forgave us. This grace, this unmerited favor from God that He bestows on us and gives to us, sets us free for eternity. We have hope in Him. Verse 25. This solution, by the way, is not our doing. It's God's doing. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of His blood to be received by faith. He did this to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance he had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. This this passage here is all about the grace of God extended to us when we don't deserve it. And that build up we talked about last week of those sins of the past or those sinful behavior, behaviors. He, in light of that, gave us forgiveness. Verse 26. He did it to demonstrate his righteousness at the present time so as to be just and the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. So I heard a couple of theologians debate this, talk about this particular issue before, and they, they say this, Why? one person raises this question, why would God give us laws in the Old Testament that we could not fulfill? Did you ever think about that? Why do we have these, thou shalt not covet when You can hardly make it through the day wanting something somebody else has. Why would he say, thou shalt not steal when employees pilfer from their bosses all the time? Can't help themselves. Why would he say, thou thou shalt not lust when you can't turn on any form of entertainment without seeing lustful images or stories? Why would he say those things when the the very nature... Why would he give us these laws from the very nature of man is evil because he is this is the answer by the way because he used the law to set the standard of living so that we know who he is we know who God is through his revelation he is righteous he is holy he is above us he's above any created thing we know that from that law here's another side note that these particular theologians didn't bring up but I I know it to be true. He laid out the law to protect us. To protect us from ourselves. You shouldn't do these things because you're going to get yourself killed. Even the the very intricate dietary laws of the Old Testament. Why would you wash a bowl? Why would the Bible instruct someone about that? How to wash a bowl? Protect them from basic bacteria problems. Why would you eat a blemished animal? Because that animal may be infected with disease. He's protecting us. But the real purpose, the big purpose, is this: is that He has laid out the canvas to paint the beauty of salvation through Jesus. On verse twenty-seven. When the when then is boasting, is it, it, it is excluded? Because of what law? The law that requires works. No, because of the law that requires faith. For we maintain that a person is justified by faith apart from the works of the law. Can't boast in yourself. You know, Ephesians 2 talks a lot, uh, quite a bit about that. Look through Ephesians 2. Nothing that you've done yourself. You're working to glorify God. You're working to please Him. You're working to stay in, in step with Him. But your salvation did not come through those works. It came through faith. So I have highlighted in my Bible, got the pen, underline that. Verse 28, For we maintain that a person is justified by faith, apart from works. Verse 29, or is, it God, or is God the God of the Jews only? Is he not the God of Gentiles too? Yes, of Gentiles too. Since there is one God who will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised to the same faith. You see how he's bringing the church together of all the people? Who had the Jews that would have drawn a line in the sand and said, no matter what salvation God provides, it's really only for them. Paul's writing that it's beyond them it's everyone all who believe all that have faith since there is verse 30 since there is only one God who will justify the circumcised by light and the uncircumcised through the same faith do we then nullify the law by this faith not at all not at all rather we uphold the law trusting Jesus upholds the law It's the completion of the story. So we don't cast out the Old Testament. There's a a particular Bible sect that um, I would venture to say, I'd call them a cult. A cult that teaches that only the red letter writings of Jesus should be canonized as scripture. Everything else is to be thrown out. Throughout the Old Testament, throughout uh, any commentary from Paul, throughout any uh, any gospel commentary from the writer, it's just what Jesus says is Scripture. The Scripture is canonized altogether, written by God. So you know, God God wrote the Word so that we may benefit through the Word. But there are folks that will say this is the only way. God's law in the Old Testament is, was given us. It's affirmed by his actions of the sacrifice. We see the sacrifice, sacrificial system in the Old Testament. We see the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. Now, a lot of people don't follow these instructions. They don't follow what God has laid out clearly in the book of Romans. They're still trying to work their way there. There's a particular cultic movement in, in North America that um, that really they're about being just being good people. They're trying to teach something so that you would live this spiritual life that is somehow uh, love God, love one another. We don't know which God it really is. It's just it's just very ambiguous. And I heard on the radio, man, uh, talking this week that his, his entire position was with this particular cult, this church is. Spiritual formation for children and young adults. It's forming them into what would be like... Um, now, I showed you some of Karen's pottery, by the way, a few weeks ago. Uh, or talked about that. She has this... She, she can take a, a lump of clay and turn it into something. She can form it into whatever she's trying to form it into. And the better they are at it, the, the, the more elaborate things that she can do. Her head of the department at ULM um, was uh, a masterful potter. He was a deacon at at, um, First West. When he would create something, he'd take a lump of clay and build a base about this big and on up and about this big. And he would take a, a stick with nails in it, and somehow, while this thing was spinning, he'd do all these intricate designs on it. He was a master. He was as good as it gets. And making pottery. Now Karen wasn't quite there, but she's better than anybody else I know. This spiritual leader for this cult is taking a lump of clay and saying to that lump of clay, why don't you just shape yourselves and what you feel is a good thing. If you feel like being shaped like a ball today, that'll be okay. Or why don't you shape yourself to look like a log? Or why don't you shape yourself to just do nothing today. We're just, we're just going to help you form your spiritual formation, which is absolutely nothing. Or whatever you feel like today. It doesn't take a cult to do that, does it? Our culture is doing that right now. It's saying to people, uh, it's okay for you to have those feelings of hate. They're legitimate and valid feelings that you hate everybody in the world. It's okay for you to disagree with anybody that's in authority because if they're in authority over you, then maybe you have uh, a right to disagree with their authority. Maybe there's some some part of uh, the status quo that needs to be changed. You know what that is? That is the societal version of just letting that lump of clay lay there and shape itself. God gave us the law in order to know how to live. He gave us Jesus for salvation, for eternal life. Let's not make any mistake of thinking you can live up to the law. But let's not make any mistake of thinking anything else can lead to eternity with God other than Jesus. So I've got my Christmas lights up. I've got them out. I haven't put them up yet. I still got pumpkins in the yard. I got two or three more weeks. Can you leave pumpkins out two or three more weeks? You could leave them out until they rot and become a plant of their own. But we'll probably take pumpkins up. The afternoon of Thanksgiving, they'll be gone. Lights will come down. The, uh, and then we'll start pulling the lights out of the attic, start putting them up with, uh, I'm going to try hot glue some parts of the house, see if it works. Then we're going to put the decorations on the front porch. It's going to be a Christmas tree in the dining room, probably one on the other side, so it'll balance it out. And then in the front yard, there'll be um, a display displaying Jesus as the Messiah. And the purpose of that is to show the world the Messiah has come. It's not just Santa Claus season. The Messiah has come. praying that you find a way tomorrow, today, every day of every week to show the world that Jesus has come and he's in your life. And you've been set free and you're running with full abandon home to Jesus. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this group of folks. So many of them live very clearly by faith very clearly by faith and trust in you. If you were to shake them, Jesus would come pouring out. But we know that there's people in our lives, and there's people in this room, and there's people that are going to listen on the radio, there's people driving down the road right now, hearing this word. And Father, we know that they are lost away from you. They don't know you. They're trying to do enough good things. They're trying to make themselves happy in this world. And Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit grabs hold of them and turns them to Jesus in faith. And they trust you. We give all this to to you in the name of Jesus. Amen. The preceding message was presented by First Baptist Church in Manny, Louisiana. For more information about a relationship with Jesus Christ or about the church, including contact information, go to the website www.fbcmany.org. Thank you for listening and may God bless you.